Hello, welcome to PhysioNote Sounds. This is the podcast for paediatric physiotherapists and it accompanies Orthopaedic Research UK's programme of courses for paediatric physios as well, including the MSK course, which is starting in the summer 2022. I'm Gavin Spence, joining you from Cambridge in the UK. My friend and colleague, Michalis, you are joining us from London and we had ambitions to get opinions from all over the world and today we are really travelling to the other side of the world, I think. Is that right? We are indeed, Gavin. It is going to be New Zealand this time, and uh, we're very privileged to have Eloise Carella, who is a very experienced uh, pediatric physiotherapist uh, who has worked in the UK and is now practicing in New Zealand. So I'm looking forward to this very, very interesting discussion for the next 30 minutes. Hello, Eloise. Hi, Gavin. Hi, Michaelis. Thank you for having me here. This is really exciting for me. Something really new, something different, and I'm really excited about what you guys are trying to do. It's great. So, Eloise, can you just tell us a little bit about your training? Because you're working in New Zealand, but that is clearly not a Kiwi accent. Tell us a bit about where you've worked before and your journey and how you ended up on the other side of the world. Yes, yes, I will. So I studied in Glasgow from 2002 to 2006 at Caledonian University. And quite quickly after that, realised probably, oh yeah, probably during my training that paediatrics was what I wanted to do. And at that time, it was extremely difficult to get work without having any experience in paediatrics. So I did a little bit of, you know, the kind of pitch side work with uh, some young kind of training youth teams beforehand and thankfully successfully got my first job about 15 months later after qualifying at the York Hill Children's Hospital. And at that time, you were a rotational member of staff and you covered most of the obvious rotations, cardiorespiratory, neurology, and then musculoskeletal orthopaedics. So I went through most of that for a number of years before becoming a little bit more senior in the service. And I think at that point was in neurology. And certainly that was where I felt my paediatric skills lay and was quite happy there. And then I returned from my first maternity leave and they said, why don't you come back to orthopaedics, to musculoskeletal? And at first I sort of laughed and was like, well, I haven't done much of that for, you know, quite some time. And they said, well, no, no, you're you're so experienced, you can, you know, turn your hand to anything sort of thing. So lo and behold, I did. I uh, came into the musculoskeletal orthopaedic team and I've never looked back. So we're probably looking at... The best part of well, my son's nine now, so ten, nearly ten years in musculoskeletal orthopaedics, I would say. So I've worked alongside some great surgeons working in Glasgow, that's for sure, and hopefully they thought the same of working with physios and just like me. And they've got a phenomenal team there. They still have the same management in terms of physio when, when I left, uh, and she's a fantastic physio huge advocate for what we do and for the multidisciplinary services that have since developed uh, much stronger at what is now the Royal Hostel for Children in Glasgow since they moved. And I follow her a lot on what they've been doing. And like I say, they're a really successful team. We grew from something like 15 physios at one point when I first started to, I think, double that when I left. And I think it's grown significantly again since then. When I left the team, in terms of just the musculoskeletal team, we were seven or eight staff at that point, which is quite significant for the beds that we had and the outpatient service that, that we ran. So I did come to New Zealand at one point just prior to that. When I got my first job, that first 15 months is when I came to New Zealand. And I worked in the kids' first part of Middlemore Hospital, which is in the south of Auckland. 
and I had a real eye opener for for what pediatric physiotherapy certainly was over here for for then. And very different in terms of the types of patients that would come through the door. So from a cultural perspective, that was a, a huge uh, eye-opener. I really enjoyed that side of, of what I did there. They were the National Burns Unit then, and I really enjoyed working in the Burns and Plastics remit then. Uh, subsequently came back as my then fiancé, current husband, got engaged. We came back to the UK and I locumed down in uh, Hertfordshire for a while before this then getting my job at, at Glasgow. And then we always thought, well, we won't we come back to New Zealand? And we did prior to our two young, oldest kids starting school. And I managed to just, uh, it was a sheer chance, I think, or by luck that the job was there at Starship when I was looking for a musculoskeletal orthopedic physio. And I came over straight away, more or less, to, to do that. We sold the house and, and over we came. So, and whereas I would say we've never looked back since, it's certainly come with some real interesting challenges since I've got here. Personally, yes, for, for from a professional point of view, for what I thought my experience and skills counted for versus the level of expertise that exists here. That's maybe quite broadly speaking, but maybe something we could, we could divulge into a little bit more uh, as well. So that's me up to this point in terms of experience. The only other thing that I've done since then is I did start a small business looking at education for peers in paediatric MSK because there is no training in paediatrics here in Auckland. There is a small bit at Otago University, but nothing else. So I started that and I've done some webinars. Uh, I've done some live courses with some big companies here. And that's been really exciting, but there's a lot more to do to really raise that profile in terms of our skill set. Can you tell us a bit more about this training program that you're talking about? You want to raise the profile of paediatric physio in New Zealand, and I, and I guess you want to increase the skills and perhaps the scope of practice. That, I mean, that's a big ambition. So what are the stages to that? What sort of processes are you going to use to try and achieve those goals? So when I initially decided to do this, I did consult with quite a few colleagues in the paediatric realm. It's a very small group that we have here. And we spoke to the profession, we spoke to our, the society here about how do we endorse that or how do we get that out to the masses. The university we went to, or I did in Auckland, and they felt they didn't have enough in the scope of the curriculum to add any more in. So I've sort of gone on my own, really, to those that are interested to put a social following out there and try to blog a little bit more about the importance of paediatric MSK and how our skill set and training is different and, you know, put some bits out there around musculoskeletal, around orthopaedics, things to look out for, red flags, you know, all these things that, that we know are so important because the vast majority of physios here, when they qualify, go straight into that private practice here. Almost working in the hospital is the niche because private practice is where all the injuries go. And that's a, something around the model of care here is it's run by a sort of private overarching company subsidied by the government and it's called ACC. And that's basically where you access healthcare if you are injured, which is the vast majority of, of people accessing healthcare is through injury. And that's to any physio that has a clinic in the private sector is what, how it's classed here. So what about children with long-term conditions, neuromuscular cases, I suppose that would be the, the biggest example. Where do those patients get catered for with, within the paediatric physiotherapy setup in New Zealand? 
Okay, so for the for the vast majority of these children, if it is congenital, known and not injury related, we'll run through the health service, this, you know, the, the hospital-based services and those linked to the community services around the country. And with it, you know, depending on where you are, will depend on how accessible a, a paediatric physiotherapist is for you. If you, unfortunately, are someone who has been injured and had a significant neuromuscular injury, you're covered essentially by this ACC model. So therefore, the therapists are given hours and time to complete casework or, or therapy-designated amounts that they qualify for. And you're seen by a provider. Again, with any luck, being a paediatric physiotherapist within that, depending on where you are in the country, that's how their care is, is delivered. Unless they need DHB surgery, the hospital-based surgeries, then they'll go into the health service for anything like that. And anything acute will be done in the health service, but out with that will be led by the, the providers. Thanks so much, Eloise. And that's really wonderful what you're trying to set up in New Zealand. So we, we already did some podcasts uh, with private paediatric physiotherapists in Ireland, for example. So... I remember uh, Alfie telling us that she sees a lot of different things, but DDH uh, and, and, and CLAPFIT, these are things that she might see there. So your practice, tell us a bit more about your practice now as, as a private pediatric physiotherapist. So is this all injuries? So you don't get to see things like perfus, DDH? Pretty much I'll see anything that will come into the clinic if it's not dealt with via the hospital. People will opt or pay to see me for something that either isn't delivered or can't be delivered through the hospital or just for any musculoskeletal concern, injury, growth problem, any anything, you name it, I'll see it if it's about the musculoskeletal system. <laughs> and how about communication with orthopedic surgeons or pediatricians to get access to x-rays? How well or how bad does this work in New Zealand in the private sector? So we have private paediatricians, private orthopedics, private most services. I think the only paediatric private we can't get and don't have is rheumatology. You have to go through general paediatrics at the hospital to get sort of disseminated to, to their team. And yes, we can order x-rays here through the ACC model, and that's paid for. And we can advise that we want further imaging but that has to go through a consultant or a, a, another clinician that you need to refer it through to. Um, and luckily for me, certainly, I'm able to do that quite quickly uh, with the, the relationship I have with the consultants here, where we can get that fairly well, rapidly done, which is great. And that's something I've not experienced in the UK, because a lot of that is led by someone like yourselves in terms of the need for those imaging Honestly, it's sort of flipped on its end where there's a higher proportion of physiotherapists accessing needs as opposed to you guys being that direct or initial contact via the GP. Does that sort of make sense? So a lot of them would filter through you guys in terms of the referrals and you would maybe spin them out, whereas a lot of people will come directly to the first provider under ACC rather than through the hospital because we don't do it that way with an injury. They sort of access that health professional first rather than going to the hospital to get farmed, you know, sort of out, if that sort of makes sense. Well, that's great and that's very interesting. So do you have to apply plasters as well as, as part of your kind of extended role? So 
I like how you use that word extended role, Michaelis. It's a role I'd love to hear and see more of here in New Zealand. But unfortunately, if you qualify here as a physiotherapist, you're you're a physiotherapist until otherwise um, assessed, shall we say. They've only just recently brought out a specialist title or an advanced practitioner title here, which has set requirements for you to have to be assessed that you can, you know, have that title uh, behind your name. So unfortunately for me, all those vast years of experience don't count significantly towards that title. So I cannot, and I am not allowed to call myself a specialist in any way, shape or form here. I can be a paediatric physiotherapist, but that's the extent of it. To answer the other part of your question, no, some physios do. I have done it alongside our consultants. The only clinic that that's really done by physiotherapists is the, the toe walkers or the Talapes children. And that's done usually through the hospital or in conjunction with the consultant. Eloise, this has been a bit of a common theme on a number of the podcasts that we have done with your colleagues throughout the world. It's this idea of career progression. We've done podcasts with some of your colleagues here in the UK who've explained to us that things like master's degrees are important. Eventually, they're starting to talk about physio consultants, which is a a role, you know, it's a a new role. I don't think there is one yet, but this, this is the plan in the UK. I'm figuring you would be supportive of that idea in New Zealand but I guess you're going to need to get some sort of academic partner on board to do that would that be your ambition in the future and if so how might you go about doing that do you think? Yeah that's been something that has come up fairly recently through the physio board here and we've been in consultation around this master's qualification that they want to put out as well as what master's qualifications currently exist for physiotherapists here. So, unfortunately, what happens often here is people qualify and then go straight into getting a master's in something, you know, more relatable to physiotherapy. It might be in rehabilitation, it might be in respiratory, for example, or just general clinical practice. There is no paediatric anything, you know, for me to advance, if that's what you want to put on my CV, to make me a specialist, I cannot do that here. The only place I could do that would be through London and the UCL. And unfortunately, the master's here is a prerequisite for those specific titles. But when people qualify here, they go straight in to do a master's to get this, you know, a sort of higher stature or stance in terms of perhaps what they can do or what they can deliver. Remember, there's no competition here. So if you're a master's in something, aside from someone else, potential is Joe Public's going to go to you. But that doesn't set aside the amount of actual clinical experience you've then had and can potentially offer for for that person. So I do think there's a lot of misrepresentation around how master's is utilised and represented here in New Zealand. And that's been an ongoing thing for for quite some time. Um, So it's quite frustrating that there's nothing specific to paediatrics, let alone MSK or orthopaedics. You can turn one of the perhaps rehabilitation modules into some paediatric case or or areas or pain. Pain's quite a popular one to utilise and and you can look at that from a paediatric point of view. And I think sort of the chronic fatigue, a couple of papers that colleagues have done uh, around that. But that's as far as as it goes in the paediatric remit. So given that, you've told us that you have, off your own back essentially, decided to put an educational programme together. 
Are the people who are signing up for those courses then doing so purely because they have the clinical need? They feel the need to get that education and they're coming to you voluntarily to try and, you know, they're not interested in a qualification because they can't get one. They're just coming to you because they want to know about the subject. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's what I can or that's all I can deliver at the moment is to raise the profile, to talk to people that want to hear how important it is and how passionate I am about delivering that education and the importance of that education that, you know, our peers have that knowledge in order to deliver the best practice. I am very passionate about them delivering (coughs) the best possible care. Excuse me. I really do want children to to be able to get the best possible treatment and management that they possibly can. And by giving that education, I hope that the next person can get the best that they deserve. And it's something I'm really, really passionate about uh, here. And I hope that the profession adapt that passion as much as I do. Thanks so much for this, uh, Eloise. I was wondering, your course or other courses that might be available there in, New- in, in New Zealand, do they offer CBD points? And are CBD points something that help local uh, physiotherapists there with the progression or providing evidence to the formal physiotherapy bodies uh, in New Zealand that they're progressing and uh, they're, uh, they, keep, they keep themselves uh, up to date with uh, all the latest. Yeah, there's certainly a, a log that we have to keep every year that can be pulled up for assessment, but like it does through the HCPC in the UK. In terms of points, I would say the only thing that's offered at points is papers in terms of it through the university. I've yet to find a course here in New Zealand that offers a particular qualification in terms of paediatrics. That's not just, you know, someone's webinar talking about something they've done or a piece of work that they've completed, a research about something new or, you know, what it's shown. Uh, There's nothing that I could get that would give me any more points to anything unless I was prepared to do a paper at some point. I had looked at potentially doing the hands and upper limb paper, but again, it's all adult focused. Um, I'd need to in some way direct it into a paediatric format uh, to do that. Eloise, can I ask you about the support that you mentioned for upping the profile of paediatric physiotherapy and and specialising in that. You mentioned that the profession itself obviously has to come to that conclusion that that's required. What is your feeling about the way the multidisciplinary team works and particularly the surgeons in New Zealand? Are they supportive of this idea of an extended practice for physiotherapists in the paediatric world? They're certainly very supportive of raising the profile of physiotherapists and now having, you know, developed these specialist roles and advanced practitioner roles absolutely but in terms of where paediatric fits into that I'm not so sure we have a paediatric special interest group through the physiotherapy society here different from the board and they are definitely very heavily involved in the cardiorespiratory and neurology aspect of paediatrics and I have done a little bit of work with them and done a webinar with members etc And I think in terms of the paediatric bubble of physiotherapists, you know, we all understand it, we all know it's there, we all accept that the lack of education is there, but having the drivers and the stakeholders involved to do that is probably what's the most challenging part for me. And I am just one voice at the moment trying to do that and raise that profile. And probably my next goal is to do, where do I go from here to improve that, advance that and 
give professionals that want more from paediatrics an actual something, like a valid certificate or, or something that says that they are the person that you want to see who's got the paediatric skill set to meet the needs of the children in New Zealand. And that becomes increasingly more difficult the more rural you go in New Zealand. I'm lucky in lots of ways as our families because we're in Auckland and everybody, anybody of a service is in Auckland you can access for the most part. But if I had to count how many paediatric musculoskeletal colleagues I have, other than the few that are in Starship that would would do bits and pieces in there, I'm probably looking at one hand. So you put that across the country of New Zealand and you've probably got another half a dozen daughters around the country. Loads of paediatric therapists in terms of covering children with neural disabilities and community therapists in that sense. We've got a good volume of those. Again, could be much more, but in terms of musculoskeletal specialty, that's where, how limited we are. This is fantastic work you're doing down there, Louise. And I hope that Gavin and I and Orthopedic Research UK, we can contribute to this with our courses. Certainly, I hope that uh, you can accept our invitation to come as a panel member to one of our uh, next coming courses because we want New Zealand's voice to be heard. The question, the last question I want to ask you from my point of view is, you mentioned uh, the rural areas in New Zealand and I was wondering if you do any virtual clinics in your practice to kind of reach to that pediatric population there. I probably don't do what I would term as a virtual clinic. I have done online consultations for families. Families contact me directly through the paediatric physio from other parts of the country uh, saying, what do I do with my child? Can you look at my child? You know, please help. Or they've given me their journey to date and I'm looking at these videos they send me of their kids and, you know, I'm in amazement saying you need to go straight back to your GP and you need this, this and this or you need to be asking for this, this and this. And, you know, I've actually had one or two families fly up to see our paediatric orthopaedic consultant here that I work with for that sheer purpose that there's just not that assessment available in some more rural parts. So, albeit, you know, anyone can see a child um, here because there are lots of musculoskeletal therapists and lots of private practices having the people that know the right information and again it falls back to that age-old saying what you don't know you don't know and that's what's scary in paediatrics and I think that's a significant message that I, I try to get across uh, and that you know it's not a criticism it's just a fact you know and I think opening people's eyes just to that is certainly something that I'm really keen to, to start with. I had one more question for you, Eloise, because all three of us on this podcast have an interest in education and we're all interested in educating essentially on the same core subject matter. What sort of techniques have you found useful to educate the people on your courses? Because physiotherapy is, at the end of the day, a very practical job. But I guess it's, it's not always so practical to get a room full of people together, particularly in, in a country with uh, a lot of rural practitioners like New Zealand. What sort of techniques have you found useful? Are you teaching online? Are you teaching by correspondence? Are you using case examples? What, what sort of things have you found useful? That's a really good question because so many people learn so differently, as we all know. For the vast majority, given the fact it's COVID times, dare we say it, it's been online. Everything I've done has been more or less online bar two live ones that I did to two physio companies uh, just in the period of time that we didn't have the big outbreak. So that's been really good and that's probably more my passion is to be on the forefront, essentially in your face, showing you, telling you exactly what you need to know. 
one bit I think is a physio and given that we are so practical, we like case studies, we like the problem solving behind seeing something and, and working it out. So videos are are awesome in that sense and we get a lot from that and I think I'm definitely a little bit more old school in terms of the face-to-face value that you can put in a room when you're next to someone engaging exactly what they're thinking you know how they're responding to to what you're seeing and what they're seeing so modifying that yes I've had to do to start this off but I really would love to do active live course that's for sure but like I say the one big thing that everybody comes back with is the examples the case studies and I spend half my time at most of them and either answering people's questions and correspondence about cases or case studies that obviously I bring to the table because those are the things that get people thinking and those are the things that you know initiate that clinical analysis that that's that's what we do that's what you know we're good at so I think that's really important rather than just, okay, here's the facts. And yeah, they count for a lot, but you know as well as I do, no child will present the same way. And what they'll present like one day, they'll be very different like the next day. You know, not to mention adding in all the factors of parents and families and siblings and schools and coaches and, you know, everything else that comes with being a, a complex, you know, child. And I would, you know, love the opportunity to have the paediatric physio and the education on a much bigger spectrum that I ran courses throughout different places in New Zealand, if it was in the hospitals or wherever, they could endorse it to have that time to spend with people because they do really value that support. And I I try and offer that as part of the paediatric physio. I do a supervision and mentorship as well as just the, the education side of stuff. And I think the people that I have certainly worked with doing that I find it very very useful that's for sure well anyways I have to say I I salute you in all of those efforts as a fellow educator it's a lot of fun it's a lot of hard work but it's very well worth doing and I I can feel a collaboration coming on here (laughs) that's that's the way I'd really like to work and and in fact Michaelis I guess you would agree having done a few of these podcasts now there are these common themes running through the challenges that pediatric physiotherapists face what's interesting as we talk to people in different parts of the world everyone has a slightly different way of tackling those challenges and and what we have here is an opportunity to try and get those ideas together uh, so that we can learn from each other so um eloise thank you so much it's been absolutely fantastic you having having you on the podcast we've really appreciated hearing about your thoughts especially with your perspective coming from the uk also michaelis as always thank you for your input and to our listeners i hope you've enjoyed that podcast i hope that's given you food for thought if you have please join us again on another podcast in the physio note sounds series thanks very much for listening goodbye